Welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome to SOB TV. SOB Sons of a Bishop's TV. We here once again, we ladies are and here gentlemen. On a Thursday night. I'm Kenny Pat. I'm Todd C. And this is episode number seven. Is it seven, seven already? Shows. Seven shows. Seven we got the show. queen. Y'all see her here. Hello. Mama is here. Hey, it's everybody. our mommy is here. Hey, everybody. Our mother is here. How befitting to have her on our back to school edition. She is the mother of all mothers. Thank and we are so glad to have her with us in the first of all, in the land of the living. We're glad to have our mother here. Um, our mother is um, she always makes sure she come and check on her boys, and we Absolutely. love her. It don't matter how old we get, Auntie, she coming, she coming to check on her boys. We love her. We're glad she's here. Look at y'all. Ain't she beautiful? Ain't she beautiful? No. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. We're talking about back to school this today. And uh, tell us some of your back to school stories you have about Pat. Don't tell him about me. <laughs> uh, Patrick was a model child. <laughs> he was quiet. Um, Thank you. On the flip side, Todd's another story. <laughs> Todd tried to run the class from the back of the class. So we had to tell him, no, the teacher's in charge. You just, he's all, he's a leader. And he wanted to lead in the fourth grade. That's fourth. what he did. Fourth grade. Yes, I wanted to have comedy sessions instead of school <laughs> sessions. I had one teacher used to tell me, it's funny, I had a teacher in high school uh, tell me this one time. And I heard Martin Lawrence tell the exact same story. I had a teacher tell me, Todd, listen, if you behave at the end of the class, you can play um, you can play um the dozens. You can tell your jokes, but just let me get through the first part of the class and then we're gonna turn the class over to you. So she's telling the truth. Well, my mama don't lie no way, so we thank her for being here today, and we love her. We just wanted to say bring her on and let her yeah, say hello to everybody. Him. And here she is. Here she is. It's our, it's our, well, our mama that cares. She ruled with an iron fist, but she had a heart of love. She did not play. Yes, she yes. carried a belt, strap, uh, switch. But I never pinched. She didn't pinch. She didn't Some pinch. days I wish she would have pinched, but she didn't. She didn't pinch. use no racing car. But she no. made sure that we were respectful. Yes. She made sure that. Um, funny thing, she used to make us during the summer. She used to make us come downstairs and we used to read. <laughs> come read to me. Yes. She wanted to make sure that we could read. Absolutely. Then she would ask, now what did you read? Right. She would make sure that we Understood could read and that we could comprehend what we were reading. She knew every step we made before there was GPS, before there was a <laughs> cell phone. She knew where we were at all times. And if she didn't know, she going to find out. Yep. And if you was where you supposed to be, you in trouble. She didn't play, but we, but as as but she ruled with the iron fist, but she had a heart of love. So yes. we are so glad, and we're honored to have our mom with us. You want to say anything? Time. I'm honored to be here. Um, as I told them before, I'm praying for what they're saying now. Everything that they say, please don't attribute that to me. They have <laughs> minds of their own, so. But I'm glad. I'm very proud of my my sons. I call them my boys because they'll always we'll be my it. boys. We'll I know how it. old we'll they are. It. But I'm very proud of them. And I, I appreciate all of you for your support for this effort. And it's Daily really, time. I enjoy it myself. So thank you for allowing me to be here. Well, thank you. Our first in-studio guest. First in-studio guest. Mama. Yes. Mama. Yay. And we continue to ask you to support us by liking this page. Right now, everybody that's watching yeah. and listening, uh, hit the share button, hit the like button. Bye, Mama. We love you. We love you. Make sure you tag somebody. You know somebody you've been telling about, SOB TV. Put their name in the comments. Say, hey, these guys, the SOBs are on. Don't forget to go to our YouTube page. We need to get our YouTube numbers up. So if you haven't done that, go to YouTube and subscribe. Let's hit the like button. Let's hit the share button now. And let's bring in our audience. Uh, don't forget, 
uh the music you heard coming in was from my project the rent party 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 project make sure you go to all digital platforms and support that as well uh what's been going on with you man nothing too much it's been um i have to admit this week has been a very trying week very very emotional trying um just it's it's been a week just been a you know week of we've got we've had people that have transitioned from this side um just been emotional then you got the pandemic stuff then you got i don't know just being a real vaccine or not to vaccine boy they gonna have division they call I really them. don't like talking uh, all the time about church all the time. I mean, that's who I am, and I want this show to be a, like a worldwide show, but we do have a church audience uh, that's uh, predominantly our base. Man, this vaccine make me feel like, do you got the Holy Ghost or you don't have the Holy Ghost? <laughs> you been baptized in the name of Jesus or you baptized in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy you Ghost? You can't usher. You ain't got the Holy Ghost. You can't usher. You can't uh, sing in quiet. You ain't you got can't the Holy Ghost. usher until you get a vaccine. Matter of fact, there was one church. I don't know if you all saw here in Atlanta. <laughs> one church you have to have show your vaccine card. Before you can come to church. Before you can come to church, you have to register and get on the invitee list. So I don't think they're going to have a lot of visitors at their church. <laughs> you got to have. I mean, it's getting crazy. It's like I lie. put on my uh, post lie. the other day, show love. Regardless, regardless if someone get vaccine or not, show love, extend love. This, ladies and gentlemen, this is another gimmick and scheme to divide us. This is nothing but more division. Uh, so stay prayed up. That's all I can say to tell you. Use wisdom. Be careful. Use wisdom. Mask up and uh, yeah, stay safe. Stay you safe. know, stay if, safe. If you ain't got to go nowhere, you know. Don't go nowhere. So don't go nowhere. Yeah, yeah she's checking me. So yeah, it's been just a week. How's your week been? You have a lot of changes. Oh yeah, you had a change today. Today I took Paige to college. She is now. I have a college. Unbelievable. Student. She is going to Georgia State. Uh, so we took her to the uh, took her to the uh, dorm today. Uh, I didn't cry. What? She didn't cry. It was, I was like, are we, mama didn't cry. I was like, are we normal? I was looking around the parking lot. Kids was crying and <laughs> holding ain't. each other. I was like. Was you about to say, are we normal? Because we already know you're not normal. I didn't know if that was normal. Everybody else crying and hugging. Oh, I'm like, shoot, I'm ready to go. We about to turn up. We already know that so, answer to that question. And so, she moving and we moving. We got to get out this house. A lot of changes. A lot of changes happening this week. I'm happy, excited changes. about the changes. Sometimes change can be difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Change can be confusing. But in the end, it, it is, it's, I want to change. Yeah, so. It also can make you self-reflect yes. on where you are to where you want to go, where you think you should be. So change has a way of, I think that's why I'm probably being kind of emotional this week. Because there's a lot going on at one time. And sometimes Mm -hmm. if you, and I can take too many things at one time and I can easily overwhelm myself. So I think that this week has been that week for me. Mm -hmm. I have to learn how to take one thing um, at a time, but also change is also growth. So we yes. have to look at it as it also being growth. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a week. We you're an empty nester. Empty nester. Got two. I'm not gonna ask you what you're gonna do. I'm we just. Oh, I'm gonna stay in the will of the Lord. <laughs> That's a whole nother All my morning time. Wait until my chance. I'm not gonna come. ask you what you still don't nobody. <laughs> I'm about to be flying everywhere. Oh Lord. Y'all ain't gonna be yes, able to catch me. Latanya, right? Change is necessary. We yes. already know time not normal. We're gonna be going everywhere, but Paige is in college. Y'all pray for her. Pray college, for me. Yeah, pray for all the college college students. Um, you know, away from home. Um, you know, pray that God will, you know, send angels to protect them from this is a time where they say was it a danger seen and unseen. This is that unseen. This is that unseen part because you know everybody's not on the up and up and everybody ain't trying to be right. And you know, we just pray for all of our college kids who are away. For the first time and that they you know be do what was instilled in them 
right. and you know, but they're away from home, so we just pray that you know. And that's a know. good segue to lead into what we're going to talk about today. We uh, are going uh, to talk about, about uh, Mama. You have to turn your. We can hear you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mama Social emotional wellness for the soul will be our title now for when we talk about mental health. Social emotional wellness for the soul. So that is going to be our new uh, tagline for when we discuss segment, segment, segment of mental health. Uh, and today it will be the back to school edition, right? Uh, we're just talking about the things that are going on with mm -hmm. the world. You know, it's different going to school now. It's, yeah, it ain't like it's it. not like it used to no. be with a joy. Now it's apprehension about the shit we Anxiety. Know. Anxiety. Stress. Stress. And these are all things that affect not just only the adults. It also Kids. affects the youth as well. The kids, the administrators. Administrators, teachers. We just All need everything. We need to pray for everyone that's in the education field. So why don't you lead us and tell us who our guests are tonight? Yeah, so um, I, we got our guests coming on. I wore my shirt, Washington Wildcats High School. Wore my shirt for high school. Class of 87, the best class. Okay, y'all was all right, too. Yeah, y'all yeah. was all right, too. So we have our, our mental health family experts coming on with us today. DJ Rock is gonna bring up our beautiful, smart, intelligent mental health experts. We're gonna start at the top with Dr. Brown. Give us a little bit of your credentials, your field you work in, and here she is, Dr. Brown. A shirt. First of all, the shirt is hot. Shirt welcome, is hot. welcome. <laughs> welcome, Thank you guys. Black therapist. Yes, we need more of us. Um, my name is Dr. Malika Brown, and I am a psychologist, a clinical psychologist. My expertise is traumatology, so I specialize in dealing with clients that have dealt with a trauma. Um, I also am a college professor of psychology, so pray for us, please. Um, it's yes. been a journey trying to get back into the classroom. We were said to be on campus and then literally found out this week that they're putting us back online. So we're going through that change. Wow. Um, it's a lot of upheaval right now. So this is a necessary topic to talk about. Um, in addition to teaching and doing therapy, I also lecture, I do speaking engagements, um, nonprofit work when it comes to mental health. And then I'm a podcaster. So that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. Now, Dr. Brown, do you have children? You do have children. I How do. I have three adult daughters. So okay. I have, yeah, they're adults. So I have a 21-year-old, a 22, uh -huh. 21, and a 20-year-old. But you look like them. <laughs> you look just like Yeah, them. no one ever believes me. I took them to the gym with me yesterday. Someone said, oh, you brought some friends. I said, no, nah, these are my daughters. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Dr. Brown, you said something earlier in your uh, intro tell me what is trauma what is the definition and what is the term and what does that mean when you say you so people that have done the clinicians will, will understand my frustration with this because <laughs> dsm-5 changed the definition of trauma so it used to be judged by your responses to an event okay. now you have to have an event that qualifies as a trauma and it has to be something where there's actual death or threatened death of yourself or someone that you are connected to or in the line of you doing your job. So like a first responder, et cetera. And then there's certain symptoms that you have. There's a list of symptoms that you would meet. And that is how they determine whether or not you meet the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder. So for me, growing up in the church, the reason why I picked this as a specialization is because I've seen in the church people who have been abused, people who have been assaulted, different mm. people have been in accidents, different things like that. And it's such a broad field that I felt like I could help a wide variety of people in a very impactful way, because it's mm. one of those things that doesn't just go away. It will be with you for your entire life. Mm. You have to learn how to adapt to what that new, the new normal is for you. Got you it. can't go yeah. back pre-experience. You have to adapt to what it is post-experience. And so my way of trying to help as many people as possible. Love it. Love it. Next, we have 
Marsha Moore Sweely. Welcome. Yes. Hi. Hi. Good to be here, guys. I am Marsha. I am a licensed psychotherapist in the state of Maryland. Um, And I, I work in private practice. And currently what I'm doing is contracting with other programs and agencies right now doing assessments for mental health and addictions. I would say that addictions is a is a specialty that I've been working in for the past 30 years, wow. um, as well as family therapy. It's kind of hard to not look at family systems when mm-hmm. dealing with addictions. I also do public speaking as well as work with a couple of the universities to do supervision uh, with a lot of their master's level students that are getting ready to graduate and they need some type of supervision in their practicum and in their internships. Right. Thank you. Then we also have, Uh, let me ask you, you uh, spoke about addictions. Mm -hmm. What is in your field, what you see and what you witness, what is one of the primary addictions? Or if we was to put a big pie out, what is the largest part of that pie is you see in our community is an addiction for us. Yeah. Well, I, I, let me say it like this. Those that are, those addictions that are dre- addressed and those that are not addressed. Um, clearly in our black community, um, the addiction for heroin and alcohol is at an all time high. Um, mm-hmm. But those unaddressed ones that I think, I love to tap into are the eating, the Mm. eating disorders, the shopping and the relationship addictions. That's a big issue that we don't really tap on, but there are so many unhealthy relationships and people are addicted to people in a very unhealthy way. So, you know, we got the addressed ones and the unaddressed ones that we don't always talk about. Wow. Alex says, wow. Wow. It's heavy. It's deep. It's wow, deep. that's a, yeah. I, I didn't expect that last one. I didn't expect yeah, that relationship. I, and I get it and I understand yes. totally. And people won't even look at that as a yeah. type of addiction. They just okay. look at it as I'm having a problem in my relationship or I'm on my fifth marriage, you know, and it's like, no, baby, <laughs> no, baby, <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> so, yeah. That. Next, we have Dr. Lynette Hennigan hailing from Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome to SOB. She's our newest member of our mental health team. And we're so glad to have you. Dr. Hennigan, tell us a little bit about yourself. So thank you for having me. I'm Dr. Lynette Hennigan um, in hot Phoenix. My specialties are I'm a licensed clinical social worker as well as a licensed independent uh, substance abuse counselor. So I specialize in addiction, serious mental illness, and integrated health care. Um, I am excited to be here. I also speak. I do motivational speaking. I do supervision. Some of you know my colleagues that are on some of the same things. I think we have similar paths as far as you know. As a therapist, you're kind of doing your main and a side hustle. Uh, more recently, I am working on mental health parity for the state of Arizona to make sure that whatever you get on the medical side of your insurance, you also get on the behavioral health side because sometimes you know you can get denied certain services and you can't treat the head without treating the body and vice versa. So Got thanks it. for having me. I'm excited. We're so glad to be here. Welcome. Welcome. All right. We're talking about back to school and let's start off. Uh, we can start with Dr. Browning and work our way down. What are some of the things as a parent we can recognize or we should see in our youth or our adolescents that could say, okay, maybe I need to address something or they have mental health issues is what I'm trying to say. What are some of the things we can do? Some of the signs, what are things we need to look for within our youth? So you have to be careful with diagnosing children. So let's just start with that. Most of the things that are in the DSM, we don't diagnose you till you're considered an adult age. There are some things that are specific to children um, and they're considered Mm -hmm. neurodevelopmental conditions. So like ADHD, um, autism spectrum disorder, those are conditions that 
we're willing to diagnose a child with. So we don't want to get into diagnosing, but I do feel like with children, even if it's not necessarily a mental health issue, their behavior often speaks the story that they may not be able to speak. So you want to make sure that you're paying attention. Do they seem anxious more so than normal? Um, do they seem not motivated to do their work or to go to school? Are they sleeping a lot? Like there's different things that you can look at in their behavior that may be pointing to that there's an issue where they're overwhelmed in some capacity and you want to make sure that you're paying attention to that. Don't just discount it. Oh, they've been in virtual learning and now they're back in person. And so the new schedule is making them tired. That's why they're sleeping too much. That might be their way of trying to adjust and cope with something that's too overwhelming for them. And they don't have the, the language to really express to you clearly what's going on with them. One of the big things that they're noticing with the kids going back face to face is the anxiety of just all the upheaval because these, these kids have been at home for a year and now they have a totally different environment some of them, like, I'll just use my my youngest nephew, who's my godson. He's in the first grade. He started school virtually. He has never been to a campus until wow. he started school at the beginning of August. So this is new for him to actually physically be in a room with his teacher and with other students. And you'll have other kids that have similar experiences. So it can be overwhelming. They adjusted and adapted as much as possible to virtual. Now you're throwing them in a room with a bunch of people. They are wearing masks. They may be distanced. Their teacher may be behind a plexiglass barrier and not interacting with them the way teachers normally do because of COVID. That can cause anxiety because they come from a household where they can touch people, right? You can get up close to people. You can interact with people and their environment at school is totally different. So you have to give a little space that there will be some anxiety with the new stuff and just pay attention to your kid's behavior and don't just discount it as, oh, they're being difficult or they're just being a kid. Well, no, they may be trying to tell you a story that you may not, they may not be able to say it to you in an articulate way, especially if they're seven or if they're eight, but their behavior is telling you a story. So definitely pay attention to their behavior and any changes. Wow. You, when you bring that, is I, we forget that a lot of them did start virtually. Mm -hmm. And that they did not. I that just another thing. Like wow, that just I we just take it for granted, you know, because we all how we came through matriculated in school, but this is a whole new, whole new day. So that is something to look at. That is something to really think about. My my question is now: How do we? How say, Doctor um, Marsha? How will we start a conversation? You know, with our children. Because, you know, sometimes kids are, you know, teenagers, they don't want to talk. And, mm -hmm. you know, I don't feel like, yeah, I'm fine. No. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. the one word. Mm -hmm. How do we can kind of open yeah. up the way to get a conversation started at whatever age or whatever level that yeah. they're on? And I think it sounds like we're kind of moving up to the teens because I totally agree with Dr. Brown. A lot of times with the younger children, you really just have to pay attention to their behavior. They don't always have the words. And what I tend to look at is patterns, you know, of behavior, because understanding that what's going on right now in our society, even with this pandemic, children are dealing with this at a very crucial developmental stage. Mm. And we all know that when you're going through the stages of development, our behavior can be all kinds of things because we're developing. So what I like to do is look at patterns. And as you, the question that you asked, what, how do we open a conversation, especially maybe more with an adolescent or a preteen? I think sometimes the best way to do that is to just come right through the front door and ask that question, open-ended, open-ended questions I think are the best. And to be able to say, tell me about your day. Tell me how you feel about school. You know, how do you feel about being in class? Um, and not not where you just get a yes or a no, but where they have to kind of be able to explain in their words. And that's for the older kids, the teenagers, the preteens. I think a lot of times the mistake we've made, uh, maybe before pre-pandemic, we've all been caught up in our lives with work and our own relationships and things that are going on, that we don't always stop to just ask that question, mm -hmm. how do you feel in class? 
how did you feel about your your classes today about school um, and getting them to just really be able to talk about it sometimes it's as simple as that and we don't take the time to do that you know like open-ended questions open-ended open -ended. questions mm -hmm. make i get you make it where it's not a yes or no not a yes or no <laughs> now dr hennigan you have a nine-year-old daughter miss nadia how has she been dealing with or coping with um uh the whole going back to school thing she was i was an essential worker um so she only felt the disconnect for a short period of time because she was able okay. to go to essential classroom however she was disconnected from all of her friends and so mm -hmm. her concern was are my friends coming back to school um do they have covid why aren't they not in school why are they not in the classroom with me why are why are their parents what not essential um she was very excited to go back normally and so even now she's very perceptive um she's able to you know digest the news so she's concerned right now she is very worried like are we going to go back virtual i don't want to the other day wow. she was somewhat tearful um because you know and i have to be a as a parent i have to be cognizant of not always having the news on so she's not hearing it yeah but yeah. she overhears conversations the teachers are having or that we're having among adults and she's like are we gonna have to go back virtual why do we have to wear masks and so her school is they don't have a mask mandate but there was a covid um exposure in her school so i said you have to start wearing your mask and she was heartbroken by that she does not want to wear a mask um, and i understand why it's uncomfortable and so she's she's already doing like this um i'm thankful there's some stability like soccer has been has maintained in her development from last year that's the only thing that did not have like a blip okay and so um even though school is like this she still has some consistency with some of her other activities. but yeah she's feel, she's feeling some of the anxiety already wow that is and, just that's a lot i want to say this can i can i just say this real quick um when you look at anxiety sometimes you think of the word fear you know that's really kind of what anxiety mm -hmm. is and so one of the biggest culprits of anxiety is uncertainty right. not knowing and we are living if you all think about the news yeah. nothing is certain right we don't know is this number accurate is that do the vaccine does the vaccine work does it not you know um there's so much uncertainty and not just our children but the educators the teachers the parents we're all dealing with this uncertainty and trying to navigate so it's even more difficult i think for our our youth and our children to deal with this you know i think additionally something that's compounded that you know last year they weren't in school so you did you saw a decrease in the school shootings right yeah but as right. part of school protocol they had when they started school this year they had to go through those drills and so you add the, you add the drills for mass shootings or if an intruder is on property and then you see in the news what's happening in the world um and so and, and my daughter actually says are, are we at war are we doing this and so are we gonna are we gonna have you know whatever their code is at school are we gonna have a lockdown it's gonna be a soft lockdown and i'm just like Oh my gosh they deal with the pandemic now they have to worry about lockdowns and they have to worry about i mean just a lot that these little kids are carrying on their shoulders the uncertainty of what are all the what ifs that are coming my way and i need to perform well because it's a testing year because they didn't test last year so they have a lot of stress coming at them unfortunately and we have to just make sure that we're communicating to them to kind of ease their fear and uncertainty the best can I also add, let's not discount the experiences of the younger kids and the teenagers. Cause I feel like as adults, we make them feel like, oh, your life is easy. You don't have bills. You don't work a job. You're not responsible for anyone else. But no, at their level, they have stress at their level with the things that they're responsible for managing. And they're managing some things that most kids at their age, if we think back to when we were seven, eight, nine, and 10, we never had to deal with stuff like that. Active shooter drills are what we do every semester on a college campus. And literally, I already got emails about the date for the active shooter drill for fall because they're already prepping us for that, even if we won't physically be on campus. Like they have to be prepared for that. 
that's probably something we didn't have to deal with. I know in California we had earthquake drills, but that's because it's it's earthquake mm -hmm. safety. Right. You need to know what to do if we have an earthquake in class. Right. But we never had to worry about nope. shooters coming on nope. campus. Nope. So nope. now they're worried about masking. They're worrying about shooters. They're worrying about whether or not they'll get sick and then they have to quarantine and have to leave campus because some schools have had the outbreaks and they've had to actually send groups of kids home to quarantine because of the outbreak. So it's like all these different things. And if you're eight and all you really wanna do is learn your your letters, your sight words, or whatever you're learning for this week mm -hmm. and your, your math table, now you have all this other adult kind of stuff that right. they're having to manage, right? And making decisions that they shouldn't have to make at this stage of their development. So we have to give them some grace that I do feel like we discount their life experiences. Like it's not as good as, or not, in the scheme of grand scheme of thing as big as what an adult deals with. But I think that we have to give them credit for the fact that they deal with some big stuff at their age. Yes, yes they yes. do. I wanna ask this, as professionals, what are some coping skills we can utilize, not just for our youth, but also for us as adults? So if you can all three share with us uh, some coping skills, some mechanisms or things we can do to help with our anxiety, we can share with our friends and with our families. And also with our educators, our administrators, those are in school, because that's a whole nother layer they have to deal with as well as you have the behaviors and you have the, you gotta make sure they're testing, then you gotta get your teachers, yeah. then you got yeah. the administrators in. So give us some some things that we can help them as well, all of us and yeah. throw them in there as well. I, I can jump in. Go ahead, no, okay. Go ahead. Well, I'll just jump in with, I'll, I'll do one and we can just kind of pass them around. But okay. um, I know with the younger children, I know what is very helpful. Um, and again, I think about the, the heavy level of anxiety that they're dealing with. Routines are very good for children. Um, providing that structured atmosphere when everything else around them feels like chaos, but they have the same routine you know, routine in the morning, you know, whatever it is before they go to school. Um, make sure that you maintain that routine. Right before breakfast, we do this. We leave at this time. Our bedtime routines are, are the same. They need some type of something they can look back on, some type of structure and say, I know that I can kind of count on this because <laughs> everything else around me might be it's swirling and crazy, but I know that mom or dad, you know, where I live, there is a level of routine and structure that I can count on. Extremely helpful, especially with the younger ones. Dr. Oh, Hennigan. So as a, as a parent, um, what was critical for me? So I'm a single parent. And like I said, during the, the height of the pandemic, I worked in the hospital as the essential worker. So for me, it was having an extremely um, dependable support system. So I was able to have my daughter homeschool with another family, make sure she got her lesson done um, because daycare went away too, right? After, before care, after care, all those things that I depend on as a parent that raise my anxiety and my stress level. I'm like, how am I going to work and provide when I have to worry about this over here? So I think making sure you have a support system um, in place, making sure that you're doing your own self-care as a parent. I mean, that five minutes in the morning before everything gets crazy, take that. Um, whether you meditate, pray, read the Bible, whatever your, whatever your thing is, have your coffee. I like to have my coffee in silence and sit on the patio because mm -hmm. then I can set my mind for the day and then take off. And I would also check in with the teachers, like the teachers at her school, and I also sit on the school board, but I would say, Hey, are you guys doing okay? How was your week? Um, or just sending them a text message, thinking about you guys today. I know it's been a rough week. You know, I think that the cliche, it's cliche to say, but just being kind and saying, hey, mm -hmm. how's it going? Mm -hmm. Now, some as therapists, we, and my colleagues will agree, when we ask you how it's going, we, we're anticipating like the full lengthy dump response, right? Right. <laughs> some people are just asking me because it's just it's just like cliche. Hey, how's it going? When I ask someone, how are you doing? You mean it's because I've I've seen something, heard something, observed something in your behavior that I need to check in with her or, you know, because of the platform this is God has dropped you in my spirit to check in on you. So I know there's something going on. Just oh, I'm just OK. No, you're not. 
what's going on for real. So I think we have to ask people and then be able to receive the response. And if you're not a therapist, at least validate it or point them in the direction where they can get some help because we, it's a support system that's going to keep us going. I love it. That's right. Dr. Brown. Um, I'm big on boundaries. And so <laughs> I think right now you have to have healthy boundaries. I don't care if you're five or you're 25 or 45, you have to have healthy boundaries. And this can be challenging. All the all of, all of us church kids understand that there's no boundaries existing in the church at all. And if you're a PK, yeah, no is not a word. No, you can't say no in the church. Like that's not a word you can say. But you have to have healthy boundaries. Like it's necessary. You have to let people know when it's too much for you, when you're overwhelmed. And this is a line that I'm not willing to allow you to, to cross for me. So I, I laugh at my sister because I talk to her because she still has little ones. Like she has her twins are high school students and then she has two little ones. And I laugh at the stories that she tells me about the conversation she has with them, especially her first grader, where she's like, OK, can you just tell me what's going on with you? And he's expressing what he's dealing with. And she's actually listening to what he's saying. And I think that that's important that, yeah, he's six, but listening to what he's telling is overwhelming for him. Like what's a boundary for him and negotiating, you know, what will work for him. Same thing with your teens and your college age students. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to express without punishment or repercussion right. Right. from the parent, the educator, whatever it may be, when you have crossed the line that is not healthy for them. So if as a parent, you have college age kids and say they're still at home because they're virtual, which wow. some of the students that I teach are going to be at home virtually, you're expecting them to still do the same things they would do at home in addition to doing their, their coursework. And you have to understand that now that they're back in school, their coursework has to be the priority. So the boundary has to be mom, dad. Yes, I want to contribute. I know I'm not away at school. But I need you to remember that my focus has to be my schoolwork and you're overwhelming me when you're asking me to do all this additional stuff that I would do if I was out of school for the summer or on mm -hmm. spring break or on winter break. Like those boundaries are necessary because you're also teaching people what you're willing to accept. And when you don't have boundaries, you're teaching them that you're willing to accept anything, anything. and they will give you anything. And that <laughs> is a recipe for disaster. Period. That will send you, you over the edge quicker. You have to exactly. teach people how to treat you. Exactly. You know, um, and so and teach and we have to teach our kids the same thing. You teach tr people how to treat you, what you're going to accept, what you're not going to accept. Even at like, you know, I tell my daughter at nine, you don't have to accept that. Tell them no or walk away. But you don't have to be in a situation that you are uncomfortable. And, and parents, the teacher too. It's not disrespectful for your kid to tell you that. Exactly. Right. That's right. I agree. Well, that's right. <laughs> that's I've had my girls. That's how they say it, though, right? <laughs> well, yeah. But I've had my girls. The tone matters. <laughs> tell me, mom, that's a bit yes. harsh. Because again, as clinicians, we have to that's learn right. how to take emotion yeah. out. So right. we can't get all warm and fuzzy with you because we we learn through a whole educational program how to <laughs> detach from stuff. Right. So now you're in this mode of detaching, and your kids are like. Yeah, that's a little bit harsh. So when they tell me that, I'm like, okay, I got it. Woo, woo, woo. Let me hug you real quick. <laughs> right. Let me go. To I know that the, the last semester of my daughter's uh, school year, what because of the pandemic, was at home, and because she was at home. I was all over, like, come on, let's do this, let's do that. I need you to get these chores done. I need you to handle this. But I was very proud of her because she said, Mom, I have schoolwork. Like, just because I'm home, I have mm -hmm. papers to write. And all I could do was like, oh. Okay. I was talking She's about you, Marcia. I didn't even know I was talking about you. <laughs> right. You were talking about me, but She's I was like. Tired. Like she's right, and I and but you're right. But being able to respect that, and even with those younger children, teaching them to say no or draw the boundary, I guess we have to model that for them. Adults yeah, have yeah. to model that for the children, definitely. And, and I and I tell people all the time, 
listen to your children. I mean, really mm-hmm. listen to them. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, girl, go listen to what they're telling you. And a lot of times, I think yeah. a lot of kids, you teach them how to go into a corner and be like a shrinking violet because yeah. no one has listened. And then when you finally listen to them, it's when they have blown up and they've gone off or they've shot somebody or they've mugged some. It's too yeah. late. So I tell people, right. no matter how, I listen to all children. Oh, yeah. man, let me tell you something. I'm going to listen attentively. So mm-hmm. make sure you listen to your children. Don't be dismissive. Don't be dismissive. Right. Don't be dismissive. When you do that is you teach them that they don't have a right to speak and have a voice. And so one of the things they talk about, passive aggressive behaviors, um, perfectionism, a lot of that comes from people who were either trying to seek approval or they didn't have approval or they didn't have a voice in their household growing up. Like a lot of these quirks with our personalities comes from how our parents deal and interact with us as a kid. And we're just thinking, oh, you're passive aggressive. And that's a pet peeve for me. It, it bothers me. But I understand how they got there <laughs> developmentally. Yeah. Like, let me talk to your parents. That's what I need to be talking to because that's how you got like this. Yeah. And you're basically putting them in a box that could last a lifetime yeah. by dismissing them and not giving them a voice. Well, same with the attention seeking behavior because that's, that's frustrating too. That's another one. Constantly seeking attention. They're, they're constantly being the center of attention, but a lot of it comes from no one was listening to them. And to just it goes back to, I think, earlier when I said having that conversation and just saying, tell me about your day, tell me about right, your class, right? right? You know, right. giving those moments of true, genuine interaction and listening can cut down on the passive aggressive behavior, it cuts down on the attention seeking. They're getting what they need. Their needs are being fulfilled. So they don't have to seek them in such um, outlandish ways. Right. You know, they learn to be appropriate. So then you have to listen when they're interfacing with their friends. Like I love mm-hmm. when I'm the parent driving all the kids to soccer practice or a soccer game. And I just, but listen to what they're saying yeah. because you, because down the road, like legitimately, you want to be that safe place. So even if, because your your son or daughter is interfacing with another child, right? Mm-hmm. So if that child is the, it happens to be the problem child, but you're that safe place, you're going to know you're going to, you're, you're going to have the pulse on what's going on. Right. And so other children need to have a safe place. So if it's not at home, which we found out during the pandemic that, you know, some kids were not in safe places mm-hmm. and they did not have the outlet anymore. So, also as a parent being that safe place for not just your child, but for other children so you can listen and they have an outlet to communicate to because that's gonna impact your child at some point because this is their best friend or this is you know an associate of theirs or they're interfacing with them or it's their teammate. And so you wanna be a safe haven and do and be a listener for, for for not just yours, but for all those kids your child is interfacing with. I love it. Yeah. yeah. There's some great information. Listen, if you're out there Make sure you're sharing this with your friends. Make sure they're coming in, discussing this, being a part of this great conversation. Uh, if you have some questions for any of our doctors, uh, write them here on the page, or you can DM us. DJ Rock just put up, or you can DM us, and he will give us the uh, questions, or you can come on and ask the lady some questions. I have another question for our administrators and our teachers um, dealing with this. As you are professor, Dr. Um, Dr. Brown, it just adds another layer. Um, can you speak to your professionals, uh, your counterparts who are administrator, teachers and principals? Because they go home to families as well. But you also look at your students in a kind of a way that's it's an extension of you. You know, you kind of have a with your other colleagues. If you don't mind speaking to that on that level as a um, professor. You'll find that you have taken on roles as an educator that's different than what you did pre-pandemic. So pre-pandemic, because I'm a psychologist and I teach psychology, it kind of is natural that the students will come to you and dump their problems because they feel like you'll be a person that they can actually do that with because of the fields you're in. But most people are finding that regardless of what their subject matter is, they're now 
the sounding board. They're the, the basically the therapist, unofficial therapist for their students because they're all dealing with so many different issues. So you have to be prepared to not only have to educate them on the subject matter, but also deal with the emotional stress and the different things that they're also bringing along with them. So you're going to get a lot of, and, and I don't say this in a condescending way, you'll get a lot of sob stories um, via email or via Zoom or however you're communicating with your students. I know it can be a lot, but be flexible to deal with that. Like this is the adjusting to what the new normal is or adjusting to what it is. Okay. You you have to adjust to it. Like I don't like the upheaval where I had already prepared myself mentally that I was going to be back on campus. And the week before they tell us, oh, no, your classes have been converted. And I couldn't understand why I was getting emails from students asking for Zoom links. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? We're going to be in the classroom and I'm on vacation this month, technically. So I'm not really checking my email like that. And I look and lo and behold, they're like, oh, yeah, your class has been converted to online. And I'm just like, OK, what is going on? So I am uncertain. And if I'm uncertain, I'm the teacher or the administrator and I work for the institution. Imagine the student that relies on getting their information from other parties, second and third and sometimes fourth hand by the time it gets to them. They really just want to be able to know something for certain. And that's what this pandemic has done. It's been nothing but uncertainty. We thought it was this and now it's this. We thought you could do this and now they're telling us, no, it's this. You wear a mask. You don't wear a mask. You get vaccinated. You're cool. Now, no, you can be vaccinated and still test positive. Like all this uncertainty, they're dealing with that. So I would say to have a little grace, have a little flexibility. Don't get into, oh, that's not in my job description. That's not what what I do. You're probably going to have to be mama, daddy, therapist, teacher. You're going to probably have to be the social worker. Sometimes that comes into play. I had a lot of students the first when we first went into the, the quarantine back in April of 2020, we had students that didn't have internet. We had students that didn't have computers. We had students that were struggling with basic stuff that we take for granted that we have in our households. So I had to be the social worker and help connect them with free resources. They couldn't go to the library because remember, stuff right. was closed. Right. Yeah. So that was their access. The library on campus, the public libraries is how they were able to get by. They can't do that now. So now I have to not only teach you psychology, but I also have to help you figure out how you're going to manage getting internet in your house. How am I going to get you a device beyond your smartphone? Because doing your homework on a smartphone is frustrating in itself. Like that's going to cause anxiety through the roof. So I had to adapt to the fact that I'm going to have to be more to these students than just their teacher. And every educator is going to have to be okay with that because it's going to probably be like this for a while. And I do feel like K through 12, I think they kind of get used to that. K through 12, they're used to being more than just the teacher. Like there's so much more to their kids. And I feel like when we go into higher education, we think, oh, they're adults. It changes. Well, no, because some of these kids are fresh out of high school. They have really no life experience. They may come from a, a horrible home background. You know, like Dr. Hennigan said, some of them didn't have safe households. So you're dealing with people that this is a way of them escaping dysfunction. And they're looking to you to model what a a functional, healthy environment is supposed to look like, what healthy relationships look like. So you're going to be taking on stuff that is more than just what's on the job description of what they hired you for. And if that's too much, say when you hit the boundary, right? Let your administrators know when it's too much. Take vacation time and actually stick to the boundary that you set. If you're on vacation, like I said, I'm on vacation. I'm not in therapy. I'm not answering your text messages about when's my next appointment. (laughs) I'm not answering students' emails. I got an out of office message. If you read that and didn't get what it said, as long as it was, then I will get back to you on the day that I say I'm back in the office. You have to even abide by your own boundaries because we are often okay, set again. boundaries and, right. Don't abide right. by them. And, and don't follow them. And I'm You're speaking, right. That was me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm speaking about myself. Like, yeah. I, I'm off. Like, I say, okay, my work hours is nine to five on, on a weekday. But at seven o'clock, I'm answering emails from students. Like, no, Malika, don't do that. Like, you're off. So be off. 
And we have to adhere to our own boundaries. And that's going to be for our betterment from a emotional wellness standpoint. I, I have a question. I have a question for Dr. Brown. Real quick. Oh, um, Pat, so for administrators and um, Dr. Brown, I commend you. But even seeing on the school board, the administrators that I interface with, they have been put into a situation where they're wearing multiple hats. They're in the, in between the government and parents. They're yeah. getting death threats. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're getting threats with I'm going to pull my kids out of school, which impacts funding. And so I think, again, showing grace and checking in with them and, and yeah. being supportive on some level. I don't remember a day a superintendent, a principal would get a death threat because a mask or a vaccination Jeez. or, you know, it's it's utterly Insane. ridiculous. And so yeah. um, our administrators are probably dealing with stuff they've never had to deal with. And so, and they're walking out of the profession, just like the nurses and things like that. And so how do we wrap as a community, because the parents are the community as well as the outlying community where the school is at, how do we support them? Whether you care about backs, masks, it doesn't matter what side of the picture on. You can still be supportive. No one deserves to have their life threatened over something as minuscule as a paperback. Mm, Period. I, yeah, that that's it's it's getting crazy and crazy. But we do have to be our own support system. I yeah. do have a question for um, Dr. Brown. It comes from Maurice Bowers. <clears throat> he says, "If you are an overachiever and work aggressively as a college student, career slash school parent, etc., what would you encourage a student to do to do so they avoid burnout and not to lose interest in their study?" studies asking for the people in the back okay i'm the people in the back i actually know Maurice, so i'm laughing because i'm i know exactly his personality so i know what this is. um i was that person so i had to learn the the greatest thing that COVID has done for me is it made me adhere to a schedule and boundaries that i set so mm. it forced me to set aside time for me to have self-care time time to just veg out. My husband laughed at me because I ended up being at the nail shop today for a total of three hours because they got a bridal party in the middle of my appointment time and they didn't have enough people. So I was willing to wait for part of my service to be done. And he was like, I would have left. I said, but this is my self-care time. Okay, I'm going to sit in here for three hours. I got my iPad. I got my earbuds. I can watch movies. I can read me a book, but I'm going to sit in here because I'm not going to be at home and be tempted to do some work-related stuff or wow. to not actually take time for myself. You have to do that. If it means you got to get up and physically go someplace else mm -hmm. to force yourself to have a couple of hours to take care of yourself, no matter what it would be, go to the park, sit outside, read a book, watch the kids play on the, on the playground, whatever it may be, take a drive, listen to your favorite podcast or listen to your favorite audio book while you're driving, good music, like do something that you're taking care of yourself. And I say it needs to be daily, right? It may not be a good chunk of time. So you may only have one or two hours a day. For me, reading is one of my, my escapes that I've been doing for forever. But in the last four years, it's been my go-to because I can totally disconnect from everything when I'm reading this book, whatever it will be. And I try to make it fictional, not church related. <laughs> I know all the church people are clutching their pearls, sometimes trashy. Yeah, all that stuff. Dysfunctional. Yes, I think, you know. All the stuff I don't know about personally, I want to read about this, right? It's entertaining for me. But find something that you can do because self care is important. And I think the problem is we have so many hats of responsibility. Right. Being a parent responsibility, being a student responsibility, being a professional, whatever field you're in, a responsibility. You never have times where you're irresponsible. And I don't mean you're doing stuff that like crazy stuff, meaning you're right. not adhering to any rules, regulations. I'm just having fun. I'm looking at memes on the Internet that mean nothing to nothing. Um, I'm texting right. my friends crazy stuff that I see online and laughing about it. Yep. It seems silly, but that can be self-care yeah, for some people. Self-care. Self you have to have a self-care hat that you don't push to the back or keep pushing because of what's on your to-do list, right? Have a top five for today. These are my five tasks. Try to get through those five tasks and make sure you prioritize them with what's you know important as far as time. 
whatever you don't get to, I'm gonna push that to tomorrow. It'll be here for tomorrow and then start it again the next day, but adhere to that schedule. My day planner, I live by that thing. Like I live by my day planner. If it's not in the planner or on my calendar, it doesn't exist for me. And, and that's just, that's just real. <laughs> Schedule blank time. If it's on the planner and it's blank time, it exists. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Self-care, self-care, especially in this time we do, we need to unplug. We yeah. have to unplug. We have Absolutely. to take a moment. Like she said, whatever it is, just take a moment. Just, just, Turn off the phone, put it down, just unplug. A nice unplug. walk. I, I'm definitely one that going. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to put my headphones in. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm going to smile at you. I'm not going to have conversation with you. This is my time, my music, and that's my that's myself. One of my self cares is, is, is yeah. Yeah. we got to do that. So thank you, Maurice, for that question. Yes, and and our as we wrap it up, uh, Dr. Brown has gave given us some of her. Uh, remedies and coping skills for self, uh, what do we call it? Self, self-care. Uh, last, the last two doctors to share with some of your self-care that you subscribe. Do you subscribe or, you know, you tell your patients you. or yeah. people you work with uh, how yeah. to handle that as well? Dr. Hennigan? Sure. I am um, like, uh, I go to the gym. Working out is um, definitely self-care for me. Um, even though it, it can be stressful, I enjoy watching my daughter play soccer. It gives me, I was an athlete growing up. And so watching her develop, um, is just it just gives me this, I don't know, peace and joy. Um, I like to read. Um, I have a dog now, so I walk a dog. That's self-care for me. <laughs> Um, and I like to craft. I, you know, doing different crafting projects. I like to do like stuff like Friendsgiving. Like last year, I put up a Thanksgiving tree because I was just so tired of all the other stuff pandemic wise. So I started a, a Thanksgiving tree and uh, with thankfulness cards and had my daughter involved in that. So stuff like that um, is self care for me. Marcia. Okay. Marcia. Yeah. Well, for me, I my girlfriend just gave me a coloring app on my on my mm -hmm. device. I have one of those. And when I tell you it is mind numbing, like it, you don't <laughs> <Yes>. think, <laughs> you don't process. You don't mess it at all. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> it's, it's mindless work. I mean, it's just sitting there coloring. And I mean, I know I, I probably look like I'm underdeveloped in some ways, but it is the best <laughs> feeling in the world. It when works. you've had a day of back to back to back to back clients. Yeah, to yeah. just come home in color, like it's it's ridiculous. But yeah, that's one of them. Um, I go to the gym. I used to go to the gym to to like really like think I was gonna like see a difference, lose weight, all that. But now I find myself going to the gym to de-stress, <laughs> to work out a lot of tension. You know, I t for me, I tend to internalize. I think so. Um, that works for me as a clinician to take care of myself when I feel in my body that my body is tightening up and I'm stressed. Mm -hmm. It helps to go get on an elliptical for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, it just feels better. It just, it just, <laughs> I don't know, the endorphins, you just yeah. feel good afterwards. Yeah. Um, so it kind of has changed, you know, why I go. It's almost literally just my stress reliever. Uh, manicures and pedicures do it every time. Uh, that's, that's a must. That's a must. Um, Bobby, yes. Oh, I love it. And then um, bubble baths, I enjoy that. One of the things that I used to do more often before the pandemic, I would schedule massages. I don't feel comfortable doing that right now. Um, I've put my husband on notice that I can't go to the massage, you know, place anymore so i'm gonna need some help with that but those are just there ways that i know i am what are you talking about that's what yeah. that's for that's what the exactly exactly dr brown exactly i know the deal that's that's what's up he's been put on notice so massages and then reading reading a good book and watching a good movie you know, yeah. and a lot of a lot yeah. of it is I tell people it's important to escape the reality sometimes, it you is. know, so watching something that's totally crazy 
and unreal yeah. is very relaxing for me. Reading it a book that is housewives. You know what? The, the the reality TV comes under a lot of persecution a lot of times because it's like such trash TV. But listen, I it. it's it is an escape, and and sometimes I find myself analyzing the foolishness, and I need to know. Because I'm like, what is wrong? Every single one of them, bipolar, is, schizophrenic, yes, diagnosed with everybody. Yes. Yeah, like what is wrong with her? She's we're not even professionals. <laughs> Attention seeker. Attention. Oh, yes. All of, all, of all of it. All of it. And I tell oh, myself, God. stop, stop analyzing. Right. Stop analyzing. But it is oh. the trash TV is enjoyable. No. It really is. Here's another one. Learn but something you know, new. You can learn something new. I had a gentleman on when I was yeah. a flight attendant. I had a gentleman on one of my flights. He was um knitting. And I thought, oh wow, that's beautiful. I like what you're knitting. He said my therapist recommended. Right. Yeah. And he was knitting because it kind of it's mindless. It kind of yeah, it's, it's mindless. Just, you on a repetition, and I didn't think about that until after he told me. I was like, oh, okay, I can see how that could be something yeah. you can kind of escape from just yeah. knitting. Mm -hmm. So yeah, mm -hmm. so learn something new. Like Todd learn learned the new. Bass. He yeah. learned how yeah. to play the bass during learn the a language. Really, yeah. you can learn about a culture. Like for me during the pandemic, I've been engrossed in everything on the motherland on that continent. Like everything from the <laughs> I mean, I've been black power all my life, but I mean, I've really engrossed myself into understanding the culture of where we come from because that allows you to not focus on your stuff because you're learning about other people's experiences or what they eat or how they talk and what their customs are. Like you will be surprised how relaxing it is to learn yeah. about something else totally different that you don't know about. It, it's a great escape. I love well, ladies, this has been great, doctors. We have love enjoyed it. yourself, enjoyed you again. Love you. Um, we'll see the response for the people that are watching. Make sure you out there hit the like button. Hit the Share. like button. Just keep hitting that like button. Share uh, on Facebook and in uh, YouTube. They look at the number of likes you have. So the activity we have during the show it helps us. So make sure you hit like, share. Uh, make sure you follow these young ladies. Uh, if you have questions, if you want to uh, uh, hire them for some consultation or to help you in your mental state, if you yeah. need some speakers, engagement. engagements, they have books, they have podcasts, make sure you follow them and be a part of their network, so just like you're a part of this network. Please follow and subscribe. Please follow them. them. And share and like and subscribe to their pages as well. We thank you, ladies. Thank you. We thank you for having us. Thank you. Mom says bye, everybody. She's bye, Mom. <laughs> we'll see y'all again. They'll be back. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That was a, good show. That was a great show. So what we got from this is Get you a support system. Support system. Your community. Mm -hmm. Show kindness. Mm -hmm. Set boundaries. Set boundaries. Self-care. We got to take care of each other ourselves. We got to take care. If you can't take care, if you're empty, then you have nothing to give anybody else. So if you poured everything out, and make sure you surround yourself with people who are going to pour back into you. Right. You can't be the one always pouring, pouring, and then you look for them. They've taken all you've given, and they have run off, and here you sit empty. So make sure you can be around some people that can pour back into you. you. Love each other. Take care of each other. Listen to your children. Children patterns. Watch their patterns. Open-ended questions so we don't get the, yeah, no, I'm fine. You want to definitely, it's a lot. They do have a lot. Don't dismiss them. No. They have a lot going on. Yes. They, there's a lot going on that they don't even tell you, but you want to make sure you have an atmosphere where they can come and tell you. So this has been an awesome, awesome segment. I hope everybody has garnered something, gained something, learned something. And to, so we can all get through this and come out on the other side together. Yes. Now we're preparing for our next 
show will be September the 2nd, and we got a treat. We bring in Melba Moore. Melba Moore. Ladies and gentlemen, Melba Moore is an icon, a legend. We throw that word around a lot. Living. She's a living legend. Uh, Like I say about people that come on this show, she's very Googleable. You Google Melba Moore. At one point, Melba, she was the first black of a lot uh, of she things. She was on first black in hair, sp- uh, hair, hair, the Broadway show, Broadway hair. show hair. She was in Les Miserables. She was the first black uh, actress to play the lead part in Les Miserables. She did a concert at the Opera House that wasn't even opera. So she's a pioneer. Pioneer. I tell the younger generation, Melba was the Beyonce of her day. She was in movies. Matter of fact, she, she was, was in a movie with Beyonce. She yeah. was Fighting Temptations. Fighting Temptations. She was in fight. She had her own show with Clifton Davis. Yes, yeah, she's had a, a stellar career. September the second yes. come out, and we got some more treats for you. Oh, I can't tell you who else we got lined up for September the second show, but it's gonna be some good, good, good yes. podcasting and television show. I have it's to, going to be epic. So make yeah. sure you come back September the 2nd. Mark your calendar now. Yeah. And come. Every time we bring an entertainer on, they tell some good stories, behind-the-scenes stories, stories never told. They feature them here on SOB TV. So make sure you come back on September the, the 2nd, 2nd and have a good time with yeah, us. Yeah, I got to go to the vault and get my diamonds out for this yeah, show. I'm dress up for that, <laughs> Melba. She's a queen. Melba She's a Moore. great person. Uh, she has a very unique story. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, at one point in her career, she had to drive to the welfare mm-hmm. uh, office in a Rolls Royce. Her husband had took everything and divorced her. They were still living in the house, and mm-hmm. she didn't even know she was divorced. She she was divorced. Mm-hmm. So she has a very unique story and testimony. So come back on September the 2nd. And hang out with us and Melba Moore. Melba Moore is coming. Yes. Yeah, so hey, it's another 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 show in another the show in the can. This was number seven. Then we had our first in guest studio guest. Yes, well, mama, we mom was here. Our for first being here. Studio. We thank our doctors. Thank our doctors and our clinicians. Thank our DJ Rock. Our producer. And we have our, our and we thank staff. you, the audience and fans, for listening. Please keep telling people about it. If you enjoy this show tonight, we're not gonna ask you for no money this time. Just hit that like button. We ain't gonna pass no off from. We're gonna pass the plate. We can already start passing the plate. Yeah, yeah. These lights and everything they cost in here. Ain't that what they said? <laughs> These lights cost. <laughs> I gotta pay that boy to run these cameras. So yeah, uh, if you were enjoying <laughs> what you see, hit subscribe and like. If you want to send uh, PayPal, if you want to send uh, Cash App, I'm T Neil nine one three, I think. No, T Neil seven. So we ask that you continue to support us, like, subscribe, and any suggestions you have, please email us and let us know. It has been a great show. Great show. You got any words? Well, I always say uh, be you and be the best you. Or do you say that? That's you. Oh, that's me. (laughs) I'm Todd C. I want to say, are you an atmosphere changer? What do you do when you walk into a room? Are you changing the atmosphere? Let's live. And again, Chris Nickens, this is for you. Now get. Peace.